This is the Beautiful Writers Podcast. I'm Danielle Laporte, and I'm here with Linda Sievertson, where we are chatting with some of the most amazing authors, publishing leaders, and creatives. Between the two of us, Linda and I have written something like 12 books, including our co-creation, Your Big Beautiful Book Plan. And we're here because we love this game. We love everything about the publishing industry, about getting ideas out into the world and being as creative as you possibly can. This all started with us interviewing some of our favorite agents and fellow authors for a membership group that we have called the Beautiful Writers Group. And because we don't believe friends should let their friends write alone, we are sharing the interviews with you. So for the next 45 minutes, because 45 minutes is a new hour, we will be digging deep and going for the light. Welcome. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Linda, and I want to welcome you to a very special episode of our show. Today, Danielle and I are going to be mixing it up here with our format a bit. Rather than focus our entire 45 minutes on one person, we're going to instead focus on one topic, a topic that affects every single one of us, a topic that, as you may have already found in your own life, can make or break your creative pursuits. But that's only the half of it. For many, this topic is one of happiness or misery, health or disease, literally life or death. You probably know I'm talking about sleep. And I hope you have a chance to listen to the whole show because I think it's the most important one we've ever done or could do. Forgive me for sounding dramatic, but as a long-time fellow sleep denier whose mantra was the famous, I can sleep when I die, and whose parents did not sleep long or well and both died far too young, I think you'll be amazed by some of what you're about to hear, and I know you're going to love the tips we'll be sharing with you about how to get more high-quality, restorative, beautifying, sexalicious Zs, starting hopefully as early as tonight. In other words, we're going to help you thrive. Because thriving is what our guest, the best-selling author of Thrive, Ariana Huffington, does best. Ariana's in New York on tour for her new book, The Sleep Revolution, and has been awesome enough to squeeze us in. She will be joining us in about 10 minutes. So Danielle, I have had a very complicated relationship with sleep, as you know, but I don't really know about your relationship with sleep. Has it ever been complicated? Oh my God. I need therapy because of my relationship with sleep. Like it's a big deal. I actually have prayed about healing my relationship with sleep and it is ongoing and I've been nocturnal my whole life. You know, you have that, and then you have a child who's in society. You have to get up and take that kid to school. I mean, that's just a huge <laughs> wrench in the work. And I have, I don't know, something happens to me, like, after 9.30 p.m. where I'm just like, I can still do more. I can fit more in. And I've been noticing it a lot lately. I mean, I like to say I'm like getting, yeah, I'm good this week, but it's not true. It affects my capacity to write. And I have to trick myself into saying, if you go to sleep, you're going to be a better writer next day. And it's not a trick because it's actually how it works. But I actually have to like kind of do this carrot and stick thing with myself psychologically and say, okay, lights out by 11 because 
I'm going to wake up naturally in the morning. Now I wake up naturally in the morning. I don't, not quite sure why. I don't want to admit that it's like age or hormones or anything. So I'm going to wake up at 637. But so, I think that's part of being a mom. I mean, you never get to sleep in once you have a kid in school. It's always 6 or 6.30, right? Yeah, but I could push it. I mean, he's old enough where I don't get him up anymore. Like he, I here's the irony. My, actually, it's not ironic at all. My kid is wired the same way. I'm wired. My child has never slept. He's never been a sleeper. And, I, you know, Ariana writes about kids and ch- children's sleep in the book. And I actually feel some, I feel some guilt. So do I. I felt that too when I read this. What did you, oh, what, I, I, what was your mother guilt? Oh, huge mother guilt. I mean, first and foremost, when he was a baby, I was one of those parents that was adamant that I was not going to have my kid learn to self-soothe because I couldn't, you know, we tried it. We put mm-hmm. him in a room by himself and let him scream and we were both crying, you know, within five minutes. And I think we did him a great service in that he slept in the family bed and I breastfed for years and it was very, very, I think, comforting and loving. And as Ariana talks about, there are studies that show that babies need to be next to their mother to remember to breathe. I mean, even crib death can be a result of being um, distanced from a human body. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of feelings and thoughts and emotions on all sides of that. So I don't want to judge anyone and I don't want to say that I did it the right way. I'll tell you that the complication of the way I did it was that I didn't know when to stop. I mean, by the time he was five, he was still sometimes crawling in the bed and my husband actually loved it at the time. He was like my snuggle buddy. I mean, they were partsies. And so where I feel guilt sometimes now is that He's a night owl like I was. You know, growing up, I would watch Johnny Carson before bed and then wake up early. You know, I was up by 6 a.m., so I was a night owl and I was a morning person. Never had much regard for sleep. My dad was a stockbroker. He was up at 4.30 in the morning with the Dow Jones News, and he didn't have a lot of respect for sleep. My poor mother, I mean, she was just a total overdoer. Again, didn't have much respect for sleep. So that wasn't the world that I grew up in, so I passed that on to my kid, and Still to this day, he has trouble. I mean, he wants to stay up late. It's so much fun for him. He's such a night owl. And I think if given the chance, he would sleep until noon every day still as a 25-year-old. He's up at 6. He forces himself because he wants to be part of the human race. But I feel badly about that. I get it. And that could be my future. (laughs) Be careful. Um, So let's ground this in the context of writing and creativity. I can vouch for... The curative, fueling, (laughs) bolstering effect that getting the right amount of sleep has on my writing. When I get my solid seven hours, that's what my body needs. The ideas are clearer. I can tell you, I know, this is how precise I've noticed it to be. I know what to cut. (laughs) I know I'm really, I'm so much clearer on that one paragraph that has to go. And I've noticed that with better sleep, I can actually write longer. So there's that kind of bewitching time from like 3 o'clock where you get the sugar crash. And there's ways to not get that sugar crash. But, you know, you get that natural dip, 3 o'clock dip. And if I'm not well-rested, I'm done at that dip. If I'm well-rested, I just need some fresh water and a piece of fruit and I can write really clear-mindedly until about 5.36. And everything that Ariana is talking about in this book, I mean, I think 
this isn't Nobel Peace Prize level stuff, but it's really socially, culturally <laughs> valuable content. So I'm really glad that we're offering this to yeah, a beautiful writer. It, it, yeah. It's life-changing for me. I just feel a lot happier. I feel giddy. I feel so much younger. I feel 10 years younger. I keep looking at myself in the mirror going, who are you? You're not so haggard. You know, I've gotten kind of used to feeling and looking haggard. And it was pissing me off. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake. I hated looking haggard. But I didn't necessarily think there was a way out. I figured, okay, well, I'm 52 almost. And I thought, well, maybe this is just cumulative. This is the way it goes. Forget the fact that I have green drink. That's not enough. I'm not saying my wrinkles are gone, but I feel so different. I feel so giddy that it's almost like I don't even notice what I look like as much. I just feel happy. So it's really different. And you know what I love about the book, for all of you who haven't read it yet, she gives a really great historical look back as to how negative we are about sleep as a country. And she quotes Edison in 1914 when he had just invented the incandescent light bulb. And he was being interviewed by the New York Times, and he said, the future man will spend less time in bed. In the old days, man went up and down with the sun. A million years from now, he won't go to bed at all. Really, sleep is an absurdity, a bad habit. We can't suddenly throw off the thraldrum of the habit, but we shall throw it off. Nothing in this world is more dangerous to efficiency and humanity than too much sleep. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, our you know, pull us up our bootstraps. Like national narrative has been killing us. And I'm tired mm-hmm. of it. I'm tired mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> you just made a pun. Yeah. So how are you going to teach your boy differently? you have any ideas? Sleep masks, maybe putting the iPad down a little earlier? Yeah, we have started with shutting our phones off. For the, yeah, we're shutting our phones down. That's making a difference. And I think I just have to do what I need to do all the time, which is this model healthy yeah. behavior. So I'm much more conscious of saying things like, I can't wait to go to sleep. I'm so <laughs> excited to go to sleep. And even just saying, I'm tired and I'm going to sleep. Like that, you know, not pushing through. So And yawning. Yeah. In front, they say those little subliminal things like yawning in front of your child or, you know, you're reading to them and you just keep yawning. And there was even a recommendation to say, you know, stay awake, don't go to sleep. And even just, you know, kids like to do the opposite of what they hear. I want to talk a little bit before she comes on about hours per night. So I was proud of the fact that I did great on four hours or five hours or six hours. Six hours was usually my max. And she talks about how incidence of death from all causes goes up by 15% when we sleep five hours or less per night. And then she was saying that CNN recently reported on the findings of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, that a lack of sleep increases risk of heart attack, stroke, diabetes, obesity. We all know we've been hearing about the connection between Alzheimer's and lack of sleep and how lack of sleep makes you eat more and then exercise less. And then Alzheimer's is increased because you're not exercising as much. I mean, it's like this total spiral. But I always thought that six hours was a lot And I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to eight or nine hours. I'm trying, but do you get eight hours? What's your sketch? You thought six hours of sleep was a lot? I really did because I was used to going on four. I mean, remember when I created the app a couple of years ago, I finally got the hint that four was bad because I did four (laughs) hours a night. I did four hours a night from November to April, released the app in New York in April of 2014, 
and immediately got sick. I need six to seven hours, and then I'm an awesome creative person. <laughs> yeah. 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 So without further ado, shall we roll Ariana? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Ariana, thank you so much for fitting us in. Danielle and I were just talking about how the topic of this show, sleep, makes this perhaps the most important show we've ever done or could ever do. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for having me on your show, and thank you so much for tackling this important topic. Okay, so we begin with a blessing. So everybody, wherever you are, hopefully you are well-rested. If you're not, you really need this breath, so a deep breath for everybody, and we get centered. We're here now to give witness to a shared truth that absolutely everything is progress. We have all that we need, and that brilliance is unfolding here and now, and so it is. Ariana, this book has made me so, so happy. Because of you, I've added an extra hour and gone from six hours of sleep a night to seven. I'm proudly napping, and I really had no idea it would make such a difference in my mood. I feel naturally high. I feel the way I did 15 years ago. Everything is brighter, easier, more love-soaked. Are you hearing this from a lot of your readers? Well, first of all, I'm so happy to hear you say that because... (laughs) The reason I've become so passionate about this topic, the reason I wrote this book, the reason I'm crisscrossing the country speaking about it is because it has had such a major impact on my life, exactly the way you are describing Mm -hmm. it, uh, in terms of my happiness, my relationships, my productivity, my health. And I see so many people, people I love, including people I don't know that I hear about who are suffering unnecessarily, you know, and I feel there's so much suffering in the world that we can't control, that we can't change, that we are trying to do something about. But this is something available to all, wherever they are, in terms of success, failure, um, where they live in the world, and it's available. It's now free. And we just need to change the collective delusion that we're living under that somehow we have to sacrifice it in the name of productivity, which is completely untrue. Ariana, can you talk about the dark side of how lack of sleep or poor quality sleep is affecting leadership? Yes, it's actually amazing. We see it, of course, in this election. We see political leaders, candidates bragging about being sleep-deprived And given that sleep deprivation is the new smoking, it reminds me a little bit of how in the 50s we used to glamorize smoking and even have doctors in white coats advertise Mm -hmm. cigarettes. And now no leader in any field would ever be seen in public smoking, even if they do in private. And I think we need to get to the point where parading your exhaustion like a badge of honor is also stigmatized. And Mm -hmm. I'm also really interested to reach women who often feel that we need to put ourselves at the bottom of the list and take care of our jobs and our families instead of listening to what they tell us on airplanes, put your own oxygen mask first, and then we're going to be so much more effective at taking care of anyone and anything else. Yeah, no kidding. Our beloved listeners of the Beautiful Writers Podcast, this podcast is sponsored by us, nobody else. We like to do it ourselves. We own our own creativity. So this is our insertion and assertion of the good things that we have to offer. Everybody listening should know about the Desire Map. You can find everything you need for the Desire Map in terms of the book, 
the audio, the digital, all the information on Desire Map licensing program. Somewhere, almost every weekend in the world, there's a Desire Map workshop that happens. We have just reopened the licensing program, which means you can become a workshop leader, facilitator, a Desire Map coach, and you can be helping to move the light in the world for people to discover their own core desired feelings and create goals for soul. And that is my non-commercial commercial. And back to our previous broadcast. Thank you. Ariana, as you know, this show is called The Beautiful Writers Podcast, and we are all about beauty as it pertains to writing. But we're girls, too. And as you write, they don't call it beauty sleep for no reason, right? <laughs> exactly. It's just amazing. <laughs> when you look at the scientific findings about sleep and the appearance of uh, our skin, our faces, wrinkles, mm-hmm. blemishes, mm-hmm. everything is accentuated when we're sleep deprived. And that's why I quote in the book a lot of actresses and supermodels. Oh, um, you, yeah, like, you have like Cameron Diaz and Jennifer Lopez and Cindy Crawford, Gwyneth Paltrow, all those people who are ruminating on the pleasures of sleep. And they are really naturally beautiful. And they also talk about how it's their secret weapon. You know, they won't show up on a set for a photo shoot sleep deprived because no matter how much makeup you put on, that kind of inner glow that you get when you're fully recharged is not there. So can you, you know, Ian Thrive, I remember that you writing about you fell asleep at your desk, you broke your cheekbone, you woke up, you came back to consciousness in a pool of blood like that is tired, that is seriously tired. (laughs) A lot of us don't get to that point. But I can hear a lot of women saying, but deadlines, but achieving, but kids, but I got to write one more chapter. Just So can you just give us all, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of tough love, but how do we access that part of ourselves that's about self-respect and self-love to shut things down and go to sleep? Like, where do you go to get that discipline in yourself? Well, uh, first of all, you know, I actually, I wish I had fallen asleep. I just collapsed and uh, hit my head and broke my cheekbone. But I want other women to avoid painful wake-up calls, some of which are much worse than mine. And I feel also, if if we just talk about creativity, there's nothing that increases our creativity more than being fully recharged, which means we're not running on empty. We are connected with a deeper part of ourselves we remember our dreams when or where, where a lot of ideas and insights may come from. And uh, it's really a myth that we just need to power through even if we're exhausted to complete something because if we just give ourselves what our bodies and our brains and our souls need, we'll wake up much more recharged and ready to tackle the next chapter or the next line of verse or whatever it is that we are writing from a deeper part of ourselves. And I think the way to get there is, first of all, to change our minds about sleep. You see, I don't think we should try to change our habits before we change our minds. That's why I've structured the book the way I did. So you start with a crisis, so you know the price we are paying. Then you move to the science. We have an absolutely amazing golden age of sleep science at the moment, and the findings are so conclusive and so powerful that we need to read that and really profoundly recognize the importance of sleep and then understand how we came to devalue it. This is the history chapter that 
shows us how from the first industrial revolution we started thinking we can treat human beings like machines and try and minimize downtime and then also tap into the mystery of sleep in the dreams chapter and then is the other, the second half of the book which is all about how do we build good habits, how do we create a transition to sleep which is the most essential thing so that we are actually putting a clear demarcation line between our day life with all its projects and to-do lists and our night. And that's where the book for me became really a love story. I mean, I obviously have it in the written form and I have it on my Kindle, but I also have it in audio and I started just listening to it at night almost like a lullaby. It's very hypnotic. And I really have become so excited about this new path that I have. You know, every night I take a bath and then I turn the lights down really low. I do all the things that you recommend in the book. And now I'm sort of giddy about sleep and I fight for it. My fiance last night said, oh, honey, I know you could do the 5K this morning. I mean, you have all night to finish unpacking. I'm like, excuse me? I looked at him like, all night? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, that makes me so happy. You absolutely (laughs) made my day. Okay, we always take an intermission every time we do an interview and we do a quick sort of Q&A. So this is optional choice. Athens or New York, what would you choose? Well, New York. That's where I live. Um, That's where my daughters live. I absolutely love living here. I, I love Greece, but Athens is not my favorite part of Greece. I would have to pick one of my favorite islands. But Athens is where you were born, right? Yes, exactly. And do you do digital calendar or do you do handwritten pencil calendar, old style? Oh, I have a digital calendar because I travel so much and it changes so much (laughs) that I need to be able to access it on my iPhone. And do you write in the morning or the night? Oh, I actually write by dictating. Mm -hmm. Um, Dictating? Love it which has dramatically improved my writing productivity because I used to be a painfully slow writer and constantly second-guess myself. And then I realized that I can actually give a speech for an hour without notes, so why don't I use that ability to actually produce a first draft and then I love editing. And what about sleep or sex? Well, sleep makes sex better and more likely. There is actually, um, <laughs> Much more likely, right? Yes, there is a study that shows that every hour of sleep increases the likelihood of sex by 14%. Don't ask me if they got so specific, but they did. Oh, my God, that's so good. Okay, so you highlight a lot of athletes in the book. I love the one about the Golden State Warrior NBA all-star, Andre Iguodala, how he improved his sleep habits But what really was shocking was the increase in his performance. So let's see, his playing time increased 12%, his three-point shot percentage more than doubled, his points per minute were up 29%, his turnovers decreased by 37% a game, and his fouls dropped by 45%. Now, we see this kind of across the board for all sports. Is that true? Yes, it's absolutely amazing. Sleep has become sort of the competitive edge for so many of these top athletes. I've become good friends with Andre, and uh, I am just amazed by how passionate and committed he and his wife, Christina, are now to their new sleep habits and keeping the room dark and keeping the temperature to 67 degrees and no screens before bed, and it's just amazing to see somebody who is doing that in the name of performance when millions of people are sacrificing sleep in the name of performance. 
just because they've bought into this mythology. Yeah. When you're on the road doing a book tour, what does sleep look like for you? <laughs> oh, I'm totally committed to my sleep. I get my eight hours. I schedule the day and the night accordingly, which means giving up, say, on having dinner with friends um, in a city where I'm going in order to get to my hotel, have room service, and go to sleep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, you know, the result is so amazing because it's what you were saying earlier. I wake up feeling fully present, vital, and grateful mm-hmm. to be on book tour as opposed to the way I did so many of my book tours, exhausted, sleepwalking through them, and sort of impatient to see them end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know those. All right, before we close your vision, what does a sleep-happy America look like? Well, I think we will be able to have a lot more wisdom in solving our problems and be a lot more empathetic with each other and also be able to reduce our healthcare costs because sleep deprivation is linked to every disease from obesity and diabetes to cancer and Alzheimer's. So again, we have a lot of other problems that need different solutions, but getting enough sleep will affect the way we approach and solve our problems. Yeah. Thank you for your elegance, for your devotion. This is great service to the world. We're very grateful. I'm so thank you grateful. so much, and thank you, thank you. And I want to invite you and all your listeners who want to write about these issues uh, to do so on the Huffington Post. I'll give you my email address, which is ariana at huffingtonpost.com, and we'd love to have all these multiple voices to support each other. Beautiful. To the revolution. To the Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ariana. Bye-bye. 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 Please do yourself and those you love a favor and get the sleep revolution in stores now. Subtitle, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. You'll learn the alarming facts about the dangers of driving while drowsy, the connection to sleep disorders and preventable diseases, and how to set your children, even your college-age children, up for a lifetime of restorative sleep habits. And there's loads of fun tips and resources as well, including a list of sleep-friendly hotels for you travelers that are throughout the world. How cool is that? Beautiful listeners, here's the thing. As it turns out, When you go to the little special iTunes place and you star this podcast or you leave a review, it actually hugely increases our ranking and our world domination power. So please, click, click. We would love five stars. Do what you move to do. It really helps get the love and the light and the creativity out in the world. Thanks. To hear more of our chats and find out how we can support you on your writing journey, head over to beautifulwriterspodcast.com, where you can subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Danielle and I are so grateful you've spent your time with us. Until next time, write on. Write on.